Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone's worried about money right now, but Money Clinic is here to help. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. Even if you don't want to come on as a guest, we'd like to hear your ideas for money-related topics you'd like to learn more about on the show. Email us via money at ft.com and let us know what's on your mind. Forget the mince pies. Turn Wham! off the radio and stop unwrapping all of those presents for one minute because I have got the ultimate Christmas stocking filler for you. A podcast episode packed with everything you need to come up with some financial New Year's resolutions. The ultimate guide to help you kick your money habits into shape for the year ahead. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. Coming up, three very special guests and personal finance experts who will be sharing their financial New Year's resolutions for 2023. This episode is packed with ideas for how you can rethink your finances and advice on financial topics to watch out for in the coming year. With me to share their New Year's resolutions are Iona Bain, the money expert and TV presenter who runs the Young Money blog. Hi, Iona. Hey there, Claire. Timmy Merriman-Johnson, who is better known online as financial educator Mr Moneyjar. Thank you very much for having me, Claire. And Sarah Williams, who runs a blog and very popular Instagram account called Debt Camel. Hi, Claire. Well, fantastic to have you all on the podcast today. Now, statistics show us that 35% of people will make a financial resolution this year. As personal finance experts, starting with you, Sarah, do you start every year with some kind of financial goal in mind as well? I think New Year's resolutions are great because it's good to have a a look at your finances and decide where you want to get, Mm. not just how you're going to get through the next month, um, but what do you want to happen for the whole of the year. So um, I think New Year's resolutions are good. They're even better, of course, if you stick to them. Um, So you need to make your resolutions about more than just January. And they need to be realistic. Well, good advice there. Timmy, are you setting yourself some financial targets for the year ahead? Definitely. So as a new-ish business owner, um, uh, Mr. Money Jar turned three this year, I feel like I've been treading water for the past three years and didn't really feel like I had a lot of financial security in the business, didn't necessarily know where the next bit of income was going to come from. Now I'm feeling a bit more stable with that. I'd like to focus on growing my net worth 
through mm-hmm. contributing to my pension and to stocks and shares ISAs. So mm. it's like I've sorted for the income side. Now I'd like to start to build up some, you know, some good assets. Well, I'm sure our many listeners who are self-employed will really be with you on on that one. It can be very hard to, as a business owner, to to prioritise those long-term financial goals. Iona, have you got some specific financial goals that you're looking to achieve this year? Well, yes, I have one goal that is very similar to Timmy's. Um, So yeah, I'm actually going to be putting a lot more money into my pension over the next year or so. Sarah? Yeah, I've got one um, specific goal for me, which is about my pension. Um, So I'm in my early 60s. um, And what I must do in this current tax year is find out my national insurance history and decide whether it's worth me buying back some extra years of national insurance Mm. that they haven't paid because it's possible that for an outlay of a few hundreds now, you can get back quite a few thousands later on. I need to look into the details. I need to look at my own record. And the rules are changing in April, which is why I want to do it before then, because after April, you won't be able to go back as far yeah. by buying back extra years. Mm, so check your state pension on gov.uk. Find out how many gaps you have. I might have to add that to my list. Okay, well, you all come into contact with very different communities of people through your work. Now, what are some of the main areas that you're seeing people struggle with financially at the moment? Now, Sarah, I'm going to talk to you first because obviously debt is an ever-growing fact of life in the cost of living crisis. And I know that you have been incredibly busy over the last few months. It's debt, um, consumer debt credit cards, loans, um, catalogues, overdrafts, that sort of thing. But what's even more important, this has been this year, are bills and Mm. the rising um, amount we're all having to pay on energy and other bills because that reduces the amount available. You have to be able to clear those debts. And the looming problem since the summer has been mortgages, when mortgage fixes end. And that's we're going to have millions of people having their mortgage fix ending in the next 18 months and really struggling to afford the much higher payments they're likely to have to afford. So for me, mortgages and energy bills are going to be the big story for next year. Mm. And Timmy, in the work you do, you do lots of events about financial literacy with young people, national numeracy, you're an ambassador for their charity, helping people to get to grips with the fear of numbers. What kind of problems are you seeing in your day-to-day life with people's money? Yeah, so the thing with the cost of living crisis is that it really is around the the cost of living. The biggest areas we're seeing prices go up are around energy bills, food, petrol, and that sort of thing. And so a lot of the questions I'm getting are around how to do more with what you have. Mm. These aren't really things that you can afford to like do without. Uh, So a lot of the things I'm talking about are ways to economize with your food shop, ways to heat up your house and use energy more efficiently, but to also do it in a way that doesn't make your life miserable. Because I think doing things that bring you joy and that make you happy, especially when times aren't great, is also very important. Mm. Now, Iona, you come into contact with, with lots of different people in the course of your work with the Young Money blog and also with your different TV gigs. What would you add to what Timmy and Sarah have noticed? 
I am in my early 30s. And I think our generation have been used to low interest rates, relatively low inflation, um, and a, an environment where, you know, there were certain kind of expenses, you know, that were part of everyday life that, that were, you know, relatively cheap and that we could justify. Um, you know, there's been lots of chat about whether the the millennial lifestyle lifestyle subsidy is now gone um, and whether, you know, those kind of um, easy to use apps like Uber and Deliveroo, et cetera, have had their day because now we're in an environment where those kind of companies are going to have a much tougher time making money. They're going to have a much tougher time offering their services at, at low cost. So the, the millennial lifestyle subsidy, I've not heard that before. So this is paying for convenience. So things like Deliveroo, having prep at lunchtime, getting an Uber home, that's the the subscription economy um, as well, if you, if you like. Think, things like that you, you think are going to be very much on the wane? Yeah, I think so, because I would characterise all those services as being something of a consolation prize in the modern economy. Um, and I call them a consolation prize because they, they're, they're um, a substitute for, I think, the, the, the meaningful assets that the older generations, I'd say, overall have, have, have been able to acquire much more easily than the younger generations. So, of course, housing being right at the top of the tree there. Um, so, yeah, we're going to see maybe a move away from, you know, enjoying some of those um, easy to use convenient services that came at low cost. Um, and maybe people will be thinking, you know, much more about how they can, yeah, how they can reduce their their debt and, and how they can live more within their means. And of course, that's going to be a really painful adjustment in the near term. But, but over the long run, I'm, I'm quite optimistic, actually, that that's going to mean that people will get back to remembering the stuff that really matters in their lives as well. Mm. Well, Hargreaves Lansdowne, the stockbroker, did a poll of its customers to find out what they wanted to do more of in the new year. And unsurprisingly, saving more was the top answer. But it was still quite a small percentage of people, just 12%, perhaps suggesting that there's not much slack in the budgets for people to put money aside, which is obviously going to reduce financial resilience. Now, Sarah, looking into 2023, we expect debt to be a problem um, for more people as the cost of living increases. You've been doing a series of posts on your Instagram account to help your followers get to grips with where they are now with their finances ahead of the new year starting. Tell us a little bit about your, your philosophy with that. Yeah, I think when you're planning for next year, as I said, ambitions and hopes are great and realism is essential. You've got to know where you are at the moment with your finances. So even if you've never actually written it out in, in detail before, it's good to just write down what your income is, what your debts are, um, what the balances are on the debts and what the interest rates you're paying on those debts are and whether any of them are ending. And also look at your expenses. So look back over the last few months and see what you have actually been spending money on. Some of it may surprise you. Some of it may throw up things where you're going to say, I'm going to do less of that. Now, Timmy, you've also changed your approach to budgeting during the cost of living crisis. You've moved away from doing a monthly budget to, to doing a weekly one. Why is that so? So as prices started going up, I noticed that my monthly budgeting cycle was too infrequent. In the conversations I've had with people, they find the idea of looking at the past week of their spending far more palatable and much less overwhelming 
then going all the way back. You're way more likely to remember what you spent money on last Wednesday, last Thursday, than the month before. And it's a much smaller chunk of spending decisions, which frankly, you may or may not want to reckon with. And then you can use that as a starting point to to build and make tweaks and changes as you go along the way. Now, Iona, are there any things that you're doing differently with budgeting as the cost of living crisis um, changes things? So I've gone back to getting old fashioned paper receipts and I put them on a spike um, in my office. That is old fashioned. I know, I know. Um, But then when I'm doing my budget, I go through them and I can actually get a much more accurate picture of how much costs have gone up for particular items in a way that I just wouldn't be able to if I was purely relying on on digital budgeting tools. Now, Sarah, some listeners might be carrying a bit more debt than usual right now. We've seen huge popularity of buy now, pay later over Black Friday, Cyber Monday and now Christmas. And some people might be worrying about how they're going to afford all of those repayments come 2023. Now, as a debt advisor, at what point would you say that debt becomes a problem? And how and when should people seek help? There's some flags you should look for that show that is becoming a problem for you. Um, if If your debts are going up, if your overdraft's creeping up most months or you're in it for more days of the month, um, if your credit cards are going up, these are all signs that you are not really getting your debts down. Mm. In any one month, there could be a very good reason for that. But if it happens for two or three months in a row, then probably you're you don't have enough money coming in for what you're spending. So either you need to rejig your budget and change that, and there's a limit to what people can actually change. If you can't easily change your budget to cut back, then the first thing to do is to talk to a debt advisor to get some help. Debt advisors are very good at seeing the bigger picture. And in some situations, they may be able to suggest extra income you could get as well, because there are millions of people in this country that aren't claiming benefits that they're Mm. entitled to. Um, I hear pensioners say, oh, I wouldn't be entitled to pension credit because I own my own house. That's nonsense. Um, People that aren't claiming universal credit that could get it. People that are getting universal credit but came in council tax support because they thought that was all included in mm. universal credit. Parents who don't know about tax-free childcare. That's which right. Which we've done on the podcast recently. Yeah, that, so there are a whole list of things which people aren't claiming what they're entitled to at the moment. And some of these can be really crucial because a lot of the extra help the government's giving for cost of living support for energy bills next year um, is going to be tied to whether you're getting some of these means-tested benefits. So even if the amount you can get paid from universal credit turns out to be really low, £10, £20 a month, that won't transform your finances, although every little helps. But it will mean that you will be get extra help from the government for cost of living help for energy next year. So it will get you, say, £900 extra help with your energy bills next year because you're getting some amounts of universal credit. 
Well, fantastic advice there. Now, let's hear some of your financial New Year's resolutions, things that you're going to do in the year ahead. Timmy, would you like to start? My financial resolution for the new year is to increase my net worth by contributing more to my pension and to my stocks and shares ISA. And this is because for the last couple of years, I've been focusing more on income and creating income stability. And now I'm feeling like I'm slightly close to where I want to be income wise. I'd like to start investing more of that money so that I can actively increase my my net worth. I'm still at an early-ish life stage. And so um, I'd like to start compounding some of that money. Iona, now you've told us about some of the things that you want to achieve in, in the year ahead, but you've got some other goals as well. Yes, I do. So uh, my first resolution is to try and pay off my mortgage as soon as I can, uh, both for financial and psychological reasons, because I think the past few months have been a really scary reminder um, that, you know, relying on debt long term can make you very vulnerable if the economic outlook changes. And unfortunately, we, we're, we're in a country now where lots of people are having to, you know, rely on debt just to pay for the essentials, as I know Sarah will testify to. Um, I am fortunate in that I think I don't have to be in that position long term. And I really don't want to spend the rest of my working life worrying about what the Bank of England will do next. I want to get off that ghost train as soon as possible. Mm, it's it's a very big goal, though, paying paying, paying off, a, off a mortgage. How are you going to tackle that just by looking at a mortgage calculator, increasing your contributions bit by bit? Because the big sort of swing is how much money do you want to put into paying down debt and how much money might you denude from pension savings and, and investments, which I know you're also very keen on. How will you strike that balance? It's definitely going to be a tricky balance to strike in the first couple of years. Um, so the, the, there's this logic that if rates on cash are higher than the rates that you pay on your debt, then you should be saving more than you should be trying to pay down your debt. But I just feel like that perspective neglects the opportunity cost of prolonging the life of your debt, missing out on the extra saving and investing and lifestyle opportunities that are possible once you're mortgage free. So I definitely feel that once I've maybe not completely paid off my mortgage, but but certainly, you know, got it, made significant inroads into it, then um, I'm going to supercharge my pension saving at that point. And, and hopefully then, you know, I'll be able to, um, you know, make up for, for mm. lost time, particularly because I wasn't able to do that in my 20s. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a massive goal of mine. And can I, can, at risk of um, hoisting myself by my, by my own patal, could, could I give you one tip on the mortgage overpayment and, and savings, which you may already have thought of? Now, obviously, you can overpay your mortgage month by month and put it if, if your lender allows you, but you could also put the money into a regular savings account. There's no need to pay off the mortgage straight away if you're on a fixed term. You could get up to 7% on the most generous regular savers, applied monthly, of course, not annually. And then when you come to the end of the year, depending on the limits of what you can pay off in one go on your mortgage, you could transfer all of that money. Or you might want to take a little bit of it and put it into your pension before the tax year ends. It just means that with the interest, you'll have a little bit more than if you'd paid it down um, at the point of sale, as it were. How about that? That is that is an excellent tip, Claire. I think I'm going to nick that, uh, if that's all right. <laughs> nick away. 
<laughs> I'll do exactly that. <laughs> now, finally, we all know that New Year's resolutions are much easier to make than to stick to. I'm going to ask you all, starting with Sarah, what's your advice for actually sticking to the financial plans that you've set out for yourself in 2023? One thing I think can help a lot of people is if they can make what I call a roadmap. Draw up literally January, February, March and put in what you expect to be changing in which month. So you can see right from the start what you need to be saving up for and you can see where the crunch points are possibly Mm. and what to be careful of. And you can plan for energy prices going up 20% from April. Excellent. Well, I really like the idea of the roadmap and I might suggest that listeners add to that the year anniversary of when you got your last pay rise, get ready to put another one in. Um, Timmy, your advice for sticking to your financial plans? Yeah, so if I use the analogy of training for for a race, because I've got I've got one coming up in a few months, you don't just run it all in one go. A big goal is actually just lots of little goals woven together. And then it's a case of thinking about what do I need to do every day, week, month to contribute towards this goal? And then you put it into whatever time management system or habit tracker system that you that you like listen to that motivates you to take action. So again, going with the race analogy, I know that if I don't put my runs in my calendar on my phone, then I'm just not going to do them. So whether you have an investing goal, a savings goal, um, even though it might be quite big and in the future, by breaking it down into smaller chunks of time, tracking that and celebrating that, you can chip away at it bit by bit. Brilliant. Well, I'm stealing that. I'm going to start putting in my phone exercise. I think it's a a, a really, really good idea. Iona, do you have any final tips about how to make financial New Year's resolutions easier to stick to? Yeah. I mean, all those suggestions there are absolutely fantastic and I'll definitely be using those myself. Um, But also trying to build in rewards. If you are sticking to your financial goals, making sure that you have got a bit of money set aside for the stuff that you really love and enjoy, because then, you know, it's not going to feel totally grim and like you're just kind of, you know, plowing through and having no joy in your life. But at the same time, also being inspired by your goals and thinking, right, what am I doing this for? Always thinking about the end kind of goal, not not being, I want to save money so that I have, you know, X amount in my bank account at the end of the year, so that I have X amount more in my savings, so that my mortgage is X amount less. It's about thinking about what, what will I be able to do with that extra money? Um, and even if it's something as simple as, well, you know, I feel as if there will just be a great weight lifted off my shoulders. For instance, you know, Sarah's been talking about how you can pay down your debt, following inspiring, you know, influencers online who've paid off their debts. That can really help you keep your eye on the end goal and and help you understand what you're doing it for. Okay, well, an absolute wealth of tips there from our three experts on the podcast today. I really hope that you have found something in this episode that you can take away with you and use to motivate you in 2023 do keep in touch with us let us know how your financial plans are working out for the new year and may i wish you all a very very happy and hopefully prosperous year in 2023 although we know there may be trouble ahead thank you very much to 
Sarah Williams, to Timmy Merriman Johnson and Iona Bain for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having us. And a very prosperous new year to everyone. Agreed. That's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week. And we hope you enjoyed what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. We're always looking to chat with people about their money issues for the show. If you're interested in being part of a future episode and are looking for some expert money advice, or if you just have an idea of a topic that you'd like us to tackle, then email us, money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram. I'm at Claire B., Sarah is at Deck Camel, Timmy is at Mr. Money Jar, and Iona is at Iona J. Bain. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and our editor is Manuela Saragosa. You've heard original tunes this week by Metaphor Music. And finally, our usual disclaimer, this Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's all the small print for now. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.